We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. Have you seen the episode of uh, Golden Girls? Y'all watch Golden Girls? There's, there's there's an episode where Dorothy, played by B. Arthur, I think finally either takes Sophia to Shady Pines or somewhere where she's always threatening. And... She sits down at the desk, and the person who works there is, you know, she's stressed out and not wanting to pay attention. And the guy goes, "Ugh, the world is bringing me problems." And and the Beata goes, "Well, we are the world." <laughs> Titus Burgess is one of the best comedic actors on TV today. He plays the unforgettable Titus Andromedon on the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix, which just came back for its fourth and final season. I love that show. You might have seen his Lemonade parody, which was amazing. He's an actor of great imagination. It always feels like he's deep in the moment. and He has a face so expressive. He didn't have to speak to be loud. I love his faces. I wanted to hear him talk about acting and what it means to be a great actor. So I emailed him and I went up to his brownstone in Harlem and we sat in his sunny kitchen and we started with where it all began. I was in elementary school, I remember, and we did our own little version of a jukebox musical. We took, you remember the story of Rip Van Winkle? Yeah. We fell took, asleep forever. Yeah. We <laughs> took Rip Van Winkle and... They added nursery rhymes and like a couple of children's songs and made a little show that we did. And I remember I had a little solo. And oh man, you had to tear me off of that stage. <laughs> it, it, it was so thrilling. It was so thrilling. How um, old? I prob that was, let's see. I think I might have been six. Going on 16. <laughs> <laughs> And ready. It was ready, honey. <laughs> so thank you so much, Titus, for having us in your home. Oh, of course. Really appreciate that. My pleasure. I want this to be sort of a master class on acting because I think you're an extraordinary actor. Oh, thanks. Thanks um, so much. I mean, you know, you, you steal scenes, you leap off the screen, you just bring so much to every line. And even... When you're not talking, you're still sort of doing a lot, taking up a lot of space. And let me just start with your conception of what is a great actor? What is great acting? Oh, wow. I think a great actor first has a very strong sense of self. Part of what I need in a scene partner often has nothing to do with the material, but more who they are when their camera stops rolling. Mm. I know myself very well, and I know my skill set very well, and I know my deficit equally well, so that I, I can walk on to a set and work with anybody and not be shook. Because I know when I'm out of my comfort zone in a conversation or when I am out of my wheelhouse, when it comes to a certain skill set, I shut the fuck up and I watch and I listen. Uh, And I offer up the limelight, the spotlight, so that I can let you stretch out naturally 
and do what you do so I can learn. Okay. So when I show up to my show, it's important uh, that I work with someone who is very, very, very secure. You may not, you may not have the punchline. I may have it. You may have the punchline. And if you do, I will let you have it. That just means we both have to want the same thing. We have to want what's best for the scene. Yeah, I think a great actor, when it comes to the material, again, wants what's best for the scene. Someone who is an active listener, uh, who understands that sometimes doing nothing is doing the most. A great actor understands tonality. Great actors ask uh, questions and don't just accept what's on the page. For me, I, I welcome uh, possession. Like, there are lots of, <laughs> it's going to sound so nuts. There's lots, of, there's lots of energies floating around in the world. Mm. And I don't shy away from them. So when I read a script... I figure out what kind of world this world is, and then I think about any parallels to the world we live in, even if the script is as far-fetched as, or not far-fetched, but even if the script is as heightened and often cartoony as Kimmy is, but I think, well, wait a minute. I know this man. Yeah, I, I, know, I know Kimmy's. I know uh, Jacqueline's and so on and so forth. So, I think where in the world, uh, at least in the world that I've seen, might some of these people be from, you know. So, I go out and about, and I'll sit in Central Park, or I'll go and have some coffee in the East Village, where I think this nut might live, or I'll go to dinner in Harlem, and I'll order things very slowly so that I can take up a long time being there. Just waiting for these people to show up. And then I summon their energy as best I can without talking to them. I watch how they talk to the waitress. I watch how they interact with people. I watch how, you know, I watch the random drug deal at the end of the corner. And I try and memorize the energy. And I put it in my bank. I store it. It draws interest. Hmm. And then I withdraw it when it's time. And I put it on screen or I put it in a movie or I'll use it for stage or I'll use it for my writing when I'm writing something. This is the, the study of human nature that's yeah. so important for actors. You I think. spend a lot of time just watching people <clears throat> and just like, okay, I know who you are and I can put you out into the world when I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think great acting is. This is a long answer. But how often do you do that sort of just sitting and looking at people. Is well, it, is it's kind specific? of every... Like no, I'm trying to draw a Titus Andromeda right now. Let me go find him. Or you just sort of do this and later... Oh, remember that guy you saw yeah. 18 months ago? He's Titus Andromeda. Or he's Defuan or whoever it might be. Well, I found Titus. I already know who Titus is. But when I'm getting ready to do something... It's not show-specific or role-specific. Okay. Um, it's kind of just all day long specific. Like, I don't even mean to be doing it. But like... okay. Like it just, you know, like my partner will be like, what are you staring at? And I'll, and I'll kind of come out of it a little bit, you know. So it's the constant ongoing, just look at humanity, not a directed brainstorm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's sort of how I do it. I don't know. Because I think people are fascinating. <laughs> um, I think human behavior is fascinating. And I think I think we are very predictable. But what is where the tension comes in and where the, the juicy bits comes in is we are predictable in a very unpredictable world. And so 
the predictable inside the unpredictable reveals parts of you that have been lying dormant that call to the surface, you know, something that we may not have seen. Uh, and how do you integrate those things into so that when you are doing a movie and you've gone along and we think we know these people, you know, how then, how then, how then does that little flash of new information, you know, how to temper it out, how to dole it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. You talked about listening within there and, I don't, as not as a non-actor, I don't know what that means. I hear the great actors talk about listening on stage, but I don't, what does that mean? There's a couple different things. So mainly, it means you've been rehearsing this scene for I don't know two days, three days, or if if it's in a play for weeks. So you have to listen to it as though it's the first time you've heard this information. Otherwise. You are offering up something very calculated. And if I'm the audience and I'm watching, it has to be experiential. It has to be, we both have to be getting this information for the first time. Otherwise, um, I'm watching something that has already happened. And that's no fun, you know, because you've already made the discovery if you're not listening. Sure. You're on the other side of the information. I mean, I, I can feel it when I feel like people are waiting for their turn to talk yeah. in, in, in acting. Obviously, we feel it in real life. But, yeah. in, in act, but I don't know. Like, you would probably be able to say you feel that way because she did that or she didn't do that. And I'm like, well, I just I feel the deficit of listening, but sure. I don't know technically why I feel that. Sure. So, so where, because, I mean, when I'm listening to you in, a, in an interview, mm-hmm. I'm going to change what I say based on what you say. Okay. But your response on stage is already scripted. It's already scripted, but my job is to make it not have been already experienced. Mm. By you. By me. So that means listening to every single word as it comes out, having not already formed in my head the sentence or completed in my head the sentence that you are starting. So, so how do you do that? You listen. Do you know your scene partner's lines typically? Mm-mm. I know the start and stops. <laughs> But that's so I have to listen. Mm. So you do that on purpose? <laughs> I do that on purpose. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and if my partner is, you know, good, there is some thread of unpredictability in inside what they've already said. Just keep me on my toes, you know. The tonality. Yeah. The it might be a different. Absolutely. It might be a different inflection. Also. For live theater, one thing that is so important is that you listen to your audience. Your audience, that, that is another character. They are, they are the other person in this play. Um, and they have a collective personality. They should neither influence, they should not influence your performance. But they certainly, you, you should certainly be aware of them. You know, if you are a singer and the audience isn't hooting and hollering after 30 seconds of song, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to start riffing and <laughs> going and singing the highest note that you possibly can to elicit a response out of them. Because then that means you are not in charge of the performance anymore. Mm. And I am your superior because this is my area of expertise. And you know, I'm telling you how this information should come across. I'm the leader in this moment. I'm the leader in this moment. Yeah. You know, so, so you have to be sensitive to one's needs. A cook, a chef should be, should know it's uh, patrons, you know, allergies and such. But I'm going to tell you the meal that you should have and how uh, the temperature of this should be cooked, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a partnership, but there is a clear leader and a follower. Um, and then scene partners, you know, just because you've checked out, you know, I'm, I'm still going to be here as though this is the first time I've heard this. Another thing that helps, though, with that on screen 
is that you know everything is not a wide shot. Everything is not a medium shot. Everything's not a is is not a, a, a close up. And so, on my show, for me, it's impossible to be bored or to check out because it's broken up so much trying to get thirty seconds of usable footage that probably by the time you go back to do the scene again, you've forgotten the lines. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So, you know. When you were on 30 Rock, uh, Alec Baldwin said you were one of the best scene partners that that he's ever had. Um, Talk about what he meant. What did he mean? And being in I don't know what Alec meant. (laughs) Being in a scene with him. Well, that was terrifying. Here's why. (laughs) I hadn't done network television before 30 Rock. And I auditioned for that role. It was called, not to, not to insult anyone's intelligence, um, um, there are roles called, uh, that are called under fives, which means you have less than five lines. And that's important to know because it's all sorts of things. Pay, pay scale, all sorts of boring stuff. So... I auditioned for one line and I showed up to set for this first um, scene and then I read, I got the the sides for the day and there were other scenes and I I didn't know about it. I didn't know that I had more stuff to do. So one of my first, well, my very first scene was with Tina Fey and Sherry Shepard. That was just like... Mm -hmm. Uh-oh. You gotta be kidding me! Like, I mean, I was, and I don't get intimidated by giants. Uh, I get intimidated when I'm in a new city and I don't know how to get to back to my hotel. I'm at the mercy of someone, someone's guidance, explaining to me, you know, how to navigate the streets. So their prowess was um, the prowess of their skill set um, didn't throw me. It was the technical stuff that shook me. But then I started to we we did Tina's coverage first. I remember, and I watched how she maneuvered. And I, and I listened to what they were, what the director was saying in terms of like what shot this was and all that good stuff. So by the time I got to Alec, I had a crash course in what you do, but Alec is a wholly different beast. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's a serious actor. He's wonderful. Yeah. He's wonderful. He, uh, he is, he thinks like I think. Okay. Which is, I I think like the director is seeing the shot. So, I figure out what setup it is, but I know how this looks on camera. So so I know exactly what to do. And one of the things that he taught me about network television, specifically on Thirty Rock, is there's such a need for compression because the material there's so much material. But you had like 21, 22 minutes of show, and then the rest is commercials. Um, so if you wanted to do something, you wanted to do a bit or whatever, you had to somehow merge them together so you could make it impossible for them to cut it. <laughs> and he said that shit to me, and it was like an avalanche of like, or or you know, the heavens opened up, and there were infinite possibilities of how to do any number of things at any given time and control the edit. Right. And once he said that to me, he and I, oh, we danced. Well, we actually quite literally danced. But but it was just such a wonderful exchange and sharing and swapping of information and giving space and taking space. and And once I understood... The language, he, I was able to listen. I was able to listen, and and I think that's what he meant. You know, um, 
there suddenly there was a shorthand. There was a there was a vocabulary that only he and I shared that allowed us to make all that material pop. One of the things that really sets you apart as an actor is the way that you use your instrument, your body, and especially your face, <laughs> right? And your face will, you know, in, in the course of giving a line, you will make three, four, five faces, <laughs> right? I, I mean, talk about using your instrument and especially your face to further the words on the page. And are you... Is that just living in the moment of just my my eye went here, my mouth went there, or do you plan out like I don't pl- I don't plan that stuff out. I wish you know I I I would love to say that I am so brilliant that I can premeditate something to make it look spontaneous. However, <laughs> um, I can't do that, and the material is so on Kimmy is so ridiculous and out there mm. it take a single sentence will take you down the yellow brick road road you know and, and send you to places so that certainly feeds into how I deliver it but I don't I don't premeditate it we live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door. Thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy. And we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy. And I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer. Because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it, too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as Black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Okay, so now I've been mandated to read this letter. Dear Torre, the Saks Underwear Corporation must insist that you stop calling Saks Underwear the official underwear of Wakanda. Saks is not endorsed by Wakanda because it is not 
a real place. While Saks Underwear appreciates the enthusiasm, it would be sufficient to just say, it's great underwear that fits snug, keeps you in place and comfortable all day long, especially in the ballpark pouch area. You can use the promo code TORE to get $5 off your first purchase when you go to SaxUnderwear.com. That's S-A-X-X Underwear.com. Not the official underwear of Wakanda, but great underwear, which would be the underwear of Wakanda if that was real, because they're great. So talk about your thoughts around how you're using your again your face in particular because there is a tremendous fluidity mm-hmm. to the way that you're using your face i mean you you know what i'm talking about i know what you're talking about but um i think it's unique among most actors i don't think most actors are giving <clears throat> us as much from the face as you are do you don't you do you agree with that um i when i was a kid i used to get in trouble because you know, my parents and my grandparents would talk about my facial expressions and mm-hmm. and that was as much talking back as talking back was, you know. Sure. Um, and so I became hyper aware of my thoughts registering on my face and I became... Um, a terrible liar. So you always, you would always know the truth. Um, <laughs> and so I think, you know, my, my, it is, it is a, uh, involuntary, um, action based on the information that I'm getting. That's the best I can do to talk about my face. That's it? <laughs> That's so funny. Talk about, Creating Titus Andromeda. Mm-hmm. How did you do it? What did you do? What did they give you? What did you add? Well, I I thought I knew a version. I thought I knew. Well, uh, here's some fun information, some trivia. When I got the script, was it named? Was he named Titus? Mm-hmm. So that yeah. was Tina Faye's little nod to you, like, yeah, we love you so much. We're going to name the character. So you. she says, um, I. Uh, before Unbreakable came about, I was going through a rough patch and work was not coming the way I wanted it to come. And so I had since moved to Harlem from Hell's Kitchen. And there's another part to this story, but I'll tell you some other time. Um, <laughs> to Harlem, and I was living in a basement apartment and I had no work. And so my manager texts me and she goes, when is the last time you... I spoke with Tina Fey, and I was like, well, when I was on Thread Rock. She sends me a screenshot of a breakdown and said, looking for the role of Titus. Lives in a basement apartment in Harlem. Down on his luck, looking for a theater job. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. I am literally that. Y'all. <laughs> I'm not joking. That is verbatim. So, I... I thought, well, I'm about to get a job, or this is a really cruel joke. Right. Um, but I had not spoken to Tina. That's the thing, though. I, I, we don't talk. She didn't know anything about me, let alone where I lived or perhaps what I was doing for work at the time. So I don't. I, if that isn't divine order, I don't know what is. But that's a whole other story. So the point of that story, though, is already had an end. I already knew the, the circumstances. I already knew the extremities of this man's situation. And that, for me, fueled and fed how extreme he is in, on camera. Mm. Desperate times calls for desperate measures. <laughs> so, I, uh, I show up to set and and they were like, you know, go, you, you can go further. Because I was doing, I guess I was doing a dialed back, a much more dialed back version. And perhaps I didn't understand 
the tonality all the way yet. And I wanted to make sure it was a departure from Dufuan. So I was giving a bit of a self-conscious performance, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But then they put me in his first costume. And it was like my head split open and like someone came down out of the ceiling and like took over my body. Spirit. Just, I was like, okay. I know exactly who he, I can feel him now. You know what I mean? Like, like just clawing his way out, ready to go. And then you were able to get to that nth degree. Absolutely. I mean, you have no other choice but to live there at that point. (laughs) You know, when you watch what he has on and what he's supposed to be saying. So (laughs) it made, it made perfect sense. Um, And that with a very steady hand of Tina and Robert and the wonderful wardrobe department gave way to Titus Andromeda. Like I, I got it. I think that everybody's favorite Titus Andromeda moment is lemonading. Oh, right on. (laughs) Which is incredible. I mean, you are channeling Beyonce and wearing the yellow dress and shattering with the baseball bat. And there's this great disconnect because... We are laughing because we see a parody. Right. It's not a parody to Titus. It's not a parody to Titus. He's real That is so him. funny you say that. Yeah, I've been t- when we were doing the press tour for this last season, you know, people only got stuck. Well, they didn't know they were stuck. People yeah. could only inquire about dressing up and singing, you know, the songs and, and the likeness of but didn't quite understand what you just brilliantly articulated, which it was not a parody to Titus. He was for real. And for all intents and purposes, he probably didn't even see Lemonade. Like, he probably saw clips of it. And, you know... Would he he not be a big Beyonce fan? um, He was on a a boat performing when when Lemonade happened. Okay, okay. So... (laughs) So he, you know, I think he might have like saw some award show or, you know, he might have, but, but I don't know that, that he lived inside of it, you know, um, as severely as people think. And I think Titus and Dramadon felt that he was improving upon what Beyonce okay. did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And out Beyonceing Beyonce. Yeah. Um, because for Titus, it, it was all about the heartbreak and the embarrassment of being cheated on and all those things like that. And it was so severe and so extreme for him. The only way to do it was the way, you know, big stars, big celebrities talk about, or big singers talk about uh, relationships and breaking up. And there was, this was the first thing that he could find that was closest to what he experienced that he decides to go eliminating. What did you do as an actor right before you started the scene to get ready to get in the right? Oh, that's easy. I just listen to Beyonce. (laughs) I mean, that's an easy one. (laughs) Like she really like sends me to a space. I mean, it's, 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 uh, no other, no other person on earth has that type of effect and just the sight of her just the sight of her like sends me into like a fit where you know it's it's really strange um i'm sure she has this effect on a lot of people but yes. it's just you know no she does she just so generally like i i was i was on one film set and i remember seeing an actor Standing off by himself, really like psyching him up for the psyching himself up for the scene, and I had not seen that before. Um, is that something that you do? That you need that quiet moment alone to like get ready for the funny or whatever it is that you're supposed to be bringing? No, I don't need that. Um, you remember earlier when I said I, I invite possession. Once it comes. It's there until that entire episode or movie. It's there the whole is that, time. Is that a method thing? 
I did not train. I, I, I went to school for music. So I don't know anything is about it. Is it method-ish? I don't even know how to speak to that. Okay. okay. What I can say to you is once I have invited the energy of whatever it is into my life, uh, it lingers until I don't need it anymore. So in between shots or in between setups or whatever, it's still, it's still very much there so when it's time to do it again you know it hasn't left so i don't i don't need to psych myself up um and if it's a scene that i particularly oh sorry that's my do you need to is that loud okay okay um i don't need to psych myself up because if it's something that i'm particularly invested in i'm so excited about doing it that um that the energy hasn't left me I, uh, a quote that I read about acting, you can teach timing, you can teach them how to stand, you can give them the infrastructure that allows them to take risks, but you can't teach them to be in touch with their own spirit. Yeah. What do you think about that? I, th- I think it's very much what I said at the top of this, which was having a strong sense of self. It's who are you that day? It doesn't have to be your whole life's history, but who are you having walked, w- woken up, and gotten to set? Who are you that day? Because that is going to govern how we get through this day. That is going to... And you need to be aware of that. And you need to be in control of that. If it's, you know, if the wolf came to work, you need to check that shit, you know? Um... If the space cadet came to work, you need to check that. You need to know which one of you you are that day. Um, what energy are you housing? What energy are you putting out? Uh, are you dealing with that just by thinking and talking to yourself? Or are you meditating or journaling? Or are there other techniques that you're using to check inside? No, Tere, I've... I've um, Whoever I am, it is. There's not a long process for me to figure out what is inside. When I go to work, I go to work to knock it out, so I can come back home and cook dinner and hang out with my dogs. Mm-hmm. So I am always very focused. It is other people <laughs> who I have to manipulate the energy. I have to go to work. I know that I have to go to work with a surplus of energy every single day because I know that, uh, that some settings will require me to lead the way and to massage the energetic atmosphere so that I can get what I want, which is to finish the scene and get the fuck home. <laughs> Do you are you trying to steal scenes? Are you do you have a reputation as a scene stealer? Is that a thing? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. The, he can't lie. Um, no, I. Um, I mean, the character's written and set up to. He's 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 written as a often self-centered say what's on his mind type of character but I will not add anything to a scene if it is not truthful Mm. so if it interrupts what you should be watching Mm -hmm. okay then that means you are watching the wrong thing because it shouldn't be an interruption. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. Yeah. So what is every the point, of the, the point of the scene is her heartbreak. If you're over here dancing, we're not paying yeah, attention. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. her heartbreak is the thing that is driving this Absolutely. plot moment. Absolutely. So yeah. And Titus has problems being vulnerable, and he will probably do some antics or something to cover up something that he can't quite process or doesn't want people witnessing him process. 
And that often translates in the way of something outlandish or something funny, something flashy. But it's only because that is how he processes information in the world. So no, I do not try and make him a scene stealer. Um, this is how he processes it. It just happens. It just, it just happens. It, it is, it's interesting because he does have a problem with vulnerability. He does have a problem with being truly aware of himself, right? He is in denial where you are not. And the vulnerability point is very important, too, as an actor, right? You have to be willing to be vulnerable. Right. And it's... and. As an actor, you have no problem right. with that, right? right? Like, I'll humiliate, I'll do whatever, right? right? Yeah. And that's critical. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's interesting, it's, you know, where the, where, the, where the character can't be vulnerable. Your vulnerability is playing to this person's needs, like removing all of your self and your purview and all of these things to give this character what it needs um i don't know it's uh i tell you what it's exhausting it's it, i mean it, it it to to be inside him at four o'clock in the morning and you know and you're in this one scene all day like i i it's when after those 13 episodes are over i'm like okay that's fine. When, when I first thought I found I was 13, I was like, oh, I wanted to, you know, I thought it was going to be like 30 Rock, we're going to do 22. I'm so glad it's like a half season. Oh, man. Ooh, 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 ooh. Too much. Oh, it's a lot. See, now, just, just as a marker here, let's note, you are nothing like Titus Andromedon, which is a common misconception. Sure. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and you, so you're just sort of underlining like he is very exhausting. I am yeah. not him. Yeah, <laughs> just being myself. No, no, no. Um, but just to transition a little bit into sort of the business of acting, mm-hmm. um, he is not you. So when you show up for somebody wants to see screen test mm-hmm. uh, Titus Burgess, you are not getting him. And as you said before, yes, yeah, before we started, like you're like. I will not just be your funny queen. Yeah. Well, and what is the impact of that on your career? Saying, no, I'm not just going to go and just be your funny queen wherever mm-hmm. you want. Sometimes it means it don't work. Um, sometimes it means, you know, sometimes it quite literally means I don't work. I think people are starting to get it now. Um, I've had some wonderful uh, encounters with filmmakers and such who, after having met me, or voice their appreciation for you know me taking the time to meet with them because suddenly they had the opportunity to see me versus what they thought I was going to show up being. You, uh, you are gay. Mm-hmm. You do. You. I feel like you bring great understanding to Titus and to Defuan. Why not? be the funny queen in another project. Sure. Um, you have had a varied career. Have you not? Yeah. You've done print. You've done on-camera work. Um, you're a married man with two kids. <laughs> you live in Brooklyn. Um, why not go and live in Harlem? Why not buy a house in Westchester? Why not move to Georgia? Why not not? Well, you know, you certainly would like to have the option to. Um, Depends on the needs of your family. It depends on the schools that, you know, uh, your kids will have to go to. It, It depends on the trajectory and how you wish to steer your life. And I have different needs and to be on a sitcom, a series regular in a very funny role that happens to center around uh, a homosexual um, was a need and I love doing it. Um, but I'm a man of many gifts and I have a need to get those out into the world because the world has needs that it doesn't know it needs. Mm. 
Um, and there's information that only I can deliver. There's information that only you can deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we were all to mandate that we do the same thing every day, we'd be living in a bit of a Truman show. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not the world that I live in. That is not the world that we live in. And the character can be gay, but there are so many different types of gay men, you know? Um, the character can be, you know. What does eating healthy mean to you? Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten-free essentials, Thrive Market's got it and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market dot com slash Torrey thrivemarket.com slash Torrey on March 16th 2000 two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta Jamil Alamin a Muslim leader and former black power activist was convicted but the evidence was shaky and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial my name is Mosi Secret and when I started investigating this case in my hometown I uncovered a dark truth about America from Tinderfoot TV Campside Media and iHeart Podcasts Radical is available now Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. A black Argentinian, you know, um, a black Frenchman who grew up in Great Britain, who speaks fluent French, but with a slight British accent, who happens to be gay. There can be all sorts of things. No problem playing a gay man. I just want the opportunity to play as wide a variety of gay men as a straight man would have playing a variety of straight Amen. characters. So I'm not... Is there, a, is there a stereotype that you don't want to be perpetuating? No. Um, I don't want to be perpetuating misinformation. Um, that we are not as varied... As everyone else. As everyone else. That's yeah. all that I care about. So the challenge of getting work mm-hmm. <laughs> for any actor is high. Mm-hmm. And also because you said, you loved me like this. Thank you. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. So talk about just sort of doing the business of acting when people are like, you are so great. Will you do that for me? And you're like, no, but right. I will do other things for you. Well... It means, obviously, like I said earlier, it means sometimes not working. But what it, for me, the way it translates, for me, the way it translates is I have to create my own work. Mm. Um, so I don't really care about other people not giving me a job. I would never wait for someone to give me a job. Ever. Ever. I will teach voice lessons. I will go hook on the streets. <laughs> no, you won't. I, you know, but I, but you, I, you got I play going you know, on. You're working on an album. I, yep. I, I wrote. Um, I bought the rights to the Preacher's Wife, which starred Whitney Houston and Denzel Washington in '97, I think '96 or '97, and turning into a stage musical. So we're getting ready to do a reading of that. Um, early stages of production for that but but been working on that for a very long time it takes a long time to do anything in theater but this is this is great information inspiration for upcoming actors that you don't have to wait for someone else to give you a job you can create work yourself and that gives you a little bit more control over your career that you don't have to just do whatever they say exactly well you know now everyone is not a, a creator some people sure you know Every, every choreographer um, 
didn't start out dancing. Every dancer doesn't need to end up being a choreographer. But if that is in your wheelhouse, if that is how you are diversified, um, then you do have an obligation to use those things and put those things on on display um, and to monetize it and turn it, you know, even if you think it's just a hobby, you know, go and you have to go and give it equal amounts of attention, you know, and so that you, so that you can be in a position of power and not, not be at, at the, you know, beck and call of other entities, you know, wanting you to come work for the, for them. If you're a songwriter, go and sing your own songs. Simple as that. Sterling Brown told you your road's going to be a little bit harder because why? He said you are going you you may experience a tougher time, Titus, because you you make uh, what you do look so easy that people don't understand the uh, effort involved. And I and only actually only one other person that told me that I was doing. Um, the Little Mermaid, and this choreographer, <laughs> Stephen Muir, said to me, you make singing, I, I played Sebastian the Crab, and I was doing Under the Sea, and we were running all over the place, and he said, you, you make this look so easy. Critics, <clears throat> critics might not, they might look over you, if not denounce what you're doing. Uh, and sure enough, he was right. Um, that's not to say I was so brilliant, but he 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 was calling attention to. He said, "You you know," and I don't want to tell you to start showing the effort, you know, because no. that's certainly not right. That's not the way. That's not the way. Um, but no one else had said that to me. And then when he said that, I was like, "Wow, this is so funny." I've only had one other person say this to me in my lifetime, but um, but it was such a lovely compliment, though. Yeah. You know, it was from from this two-time Emmy winner. Um, <laughs> I thought, well, thank you, Sterling. That's very, very But it's cool. accurate. It is accurate to a, a, a certain degree. Um, I think perhaps the subtext was manager expectations. Mm. You said your presence on screen is political. Mm-hmm. What do you mean, and how does that impact the work? Doesn't impact the work at all. Okay. Doesn't influence the work. But I'm a gay, black, culturally Christian male, and statistically, I have a greater chance of my life ending walking out of this door than anyone else does in the world for so many different reasons. There's the homophobia, then there's the, the race thing, you know, then there's, there's, there's so many things at play. And the fact that I'm, I haven't, fortunately, not, you know, succumbed to or been a victim of any of those horrible things that could happen is a political statement, is, is a, and the antithesis of, I represent both great potential and another fatality. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, mm -hmm. simultaneously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so. uh, I mean, let's go a little deeper with that. Black gay man from the South. From the South, yeah. Georgia. Yeah. Culturally Christian. So, you must have had some tumbles with the church there. Some feelings sure. of rejection. I mean, and I... Uh, you know, the pastor at the, the church that I was the minister of music at for a very long time, it seemed like every Sunday, the no matter where the sermon started, it always ended with wanting to pray for homosexual spirits. And, mm. you know, I'm like, Negro, don't you got something else you want to talk about? <laughs> I mean, shit. <laughs> I mean, like, is this, why is this so all-consuming? <laughs> you know, it seems that you... you since you're the one who's obsessed, not me, you know. Yeah. Um, so I often just found it troubling, but I never lost sight of who I was or lost uh, my relationship with Source at all, ever. Um, what 
I lost was um, my patience with leaders of, with religious leaders um, who uh, directly influence uh, minds and how these minds don't check these religious leaders. And it's clear they are looking for truth and they're looking, they're thirsty for information and no one counter checks or no one seems to, at least back then at this particular place, no one seemed to feel the need to cross check. You know, they just, back in, in the country, you know, preachers can just be quote unquote called into the ministry. Mm. You don't got to go right. to um, seminary school. You got to do any of those things. You can just suddenly be, um, you know, have had this epiphany or whatever. <laughs> Um, and then suddenly you're in someone's pulpit talking nonsense and, um, I wouldn't have it. I won't have it. And that is part of the severity of my isness is I don't tolerate bullshit and it caused a little problem, a bit of a problem in my family. <laughs> um, but you know, I wasn't the one with the problem. It was them. I'm sorry. The severity of your isness. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like that? <laughs> I love that. But what is isness? I haven't heard that before. My being, my person, mm. my my ness, my ness. Spirit. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes, not fucking with the severity of my <laughs> Um Are there are there books that you have read about acting that have helped mm-hmm. unlock things? Are there? I don't like to read vi- at all. I really don't. I read um, Huffington Post. I read um, paper newspapers, um, but I really don't. I'm not a pick up a book type of person. I'll listen to a book on on. Someone's recorded. Well, are there are there things that you have watched or listened to about acting that would that others could you know check out and no? Hard pressed. Do you have advice for upcoming actors? Uh, I um, I don't. Yes. Never take a no from someone who doesn't have the power to give you a yes in the first place. Mm. That speaks to the business. That speaks to content. That speaks to trying to sell a sitcom. That speaks to all sorts of things. Um, And I wish someone had said that to me earlier on because I wouldn't have stopped at someone's understanding of a certain situation, any given situation. Your understanding of whatever maybe uniquely pointed to you and what you're capable of or what more importantly what you're incapable of doesn't necessarily dictate how I'm going to trot down this trail so and as much as I've looked to other people for inspiration and I sort of stopped a long time ago and just figured out well what the fuck do I want to do how do I want to be seen what do I want to say and when I start doing that, lots of people, friends, my social life, the whole thing started to change. People start disappearing or I started eliminating them um, <laughs> because... It, Socially eliminating. <laughs> so it, it starts to... Um, you, you come into a certain power um, that if uh, others have not subscribed to that yet, they don't understand where are you coming from? They don't understand. It, they feel threatened. Don't know. They feel threatened by, but they feel threatened. And it's important to protect the part of you, the energetic part of you that is summoning these things that you want in your life. And you should stop telling people all your ideas. Stop. And write them down. And write them down. And focus on that shit. Meditate on that shit. Set a, a dinner table for that idea. You know, mm. 
and not for the little bitch who's going to tell you all the reasons why it's not going to work. Don't take a no from someone who doesn't have the power to give you a yes in the first place. I love Titus. I love this self-knowledge and how that helps him work. I love his focus in the moment, the deep way he's able to listen and hear it for the first time, even though he's rehearsed the scene a thousand times. I think he's a fantastic actor and a really smart, self-aware guy. I love that conversation. Thanks to Titus for your time, and thanks to you for listening. This is Torre Show. We're here to give you fuel to power your dreams because... You can use your dreams like a rocket ship to blast you into a life you never imagined. You can make your dreams a reality, and I hope this show can help you with that. I'm on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Please stop by and say hi. And if you like the show, subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps. And talk about it on your socials. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Chris Basil. With help from Shelby Royston, William Jolly, Candid Nicole, Cadence 13 Studios, and photographs from Chuck Marcus. We'll be back next Wednesday with more knowledge from amazing folks because the man can't shut us down. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered.